Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey, hey, it's Mark here at Excellence Expected and welcome to another episode of the show. During this episode, we are going to challenge the issue of how you can raise great kids whilst running a business. But not only that, we're going to challenge the issue of how you can spend more time at home, how you can build better relationships and actually become more effective at work by doing so. We're actually also going to dig into things like company culture and making the most of your employees' valuable home time as well. How can you give them a better life? And joining me today to help me with this topic is someone who is an accomplished speaker, an accomplished author, and most importantly, an accomplished parent. So it gives me great, great pleasure to welcome to the show, Deborah Owen. Debbie, how are you? Hey, Mark. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me today. This is a really important topic. It's something that when I saw the book in land, I thought this is a real meeting on this. We've not spoken about it before. It's never come up. We talk in the pre-interview chatter about the things that have come up in this vein. And it has always been work-life balance, you know, the kind of productivity side of things. But no one has ever said anything about the children, which is baffling, really. It's so important, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, even dads, and I don't want to get sexist here at all, but even dads really struggle, and perhaps especially today, with trying to figure out how do I go to work, and particularly if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting your own business, balance the the time that it takes to get a business going with what I know I need to give to my family. And actually, I don't even like the word balance, um, It's because it, there is no such balance. It's it's really um, adjusting and, and um, keeping, sometimes one end needs to be a little bit heavier than the other end, and, and it's just trying to adjust the way that you need to in order to give what needs the most attention at that moment in time. I really like the idea, actually. I like the idea of, of, of tipping the scales one way or the other and, and, and giving the priority to the side of the scales that needs it. And what I really like about that is that you don't really like the word balance because personally, I find that really restrictive as well. That implies that you will always be towing this line. You will always have it right. And it just, in real life, it doesn't work like that, does it? No, not at all. In fact, the word that I really like instead of balance is harmony. And I'm a, a semi-professional musician. I played violin for many years. I sing in choirs and I direct choirs. And, um, you know, at, at some points you need to hear the violins a little bit louder than you hear the trumpets. And at other times you need to hear the flutes a little bit more than you hear the cellos or the altos more than the basses. And so, and then there are other times when everybody just needs to be either performing singing or playing at the same level so that you get kind of a wash of sound that makes the most sense. Um, but every part is really, really important and it wouldn't be the same piece if there were any parts left out. And I believe that's the, tr- that's the truly the case with, um, with family and, um, work and just all the other aspects of our lives that we do have to keep in that harmony, whether we're, um, uh, helping out in our communities or if we're, um, helping out our extended families. I mean, how many people are not only raising kids, but taking care of elderly parents? Um, I mean, all of this needs to be kept in some sort of harmony, and, and it's it's not going to be consistent from day to day, and you just have to be willing to go with the flow. I, I think that is such an important, I, I, would, I want to say the word lesson to learn, because I think, especially when 
when you're younger and you've kind of got all this vigor, you know, I certainly look back to my twenties and it was all right, work, 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 work. And you forget to live sometimes. And yes, <laughs> not only do you forget about the experiences that you should be having, you know, you should be using the time that you've got wisely, but you forget about the people around you. And for me, I, I certainly look back at sort of when I had a bit of a burnout a few years ago and it was a really tough time. And it came about from not neglecting circumstance as such, but it came from neglecting specific people. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I can't stress how much importance people should be placed on that kind of thing. And I just want to draw that back into the kids side of things yeah. as well, really, Debbie. What, what kind of impact can a parent that is an entrepreneur, what kind of impact can that have on kids, both positively and negatively? And I realize that's quite a broad question. Yeah, yeah. Well, so here's the thing. Whether you're working as an entrepreneur for yourself or you're working for a company, the point, the point of the matter is this. The time that we spend with our kids, yeah, it needs to be quality time. And what does quality time look like? It's not just being in the same room, although that's very important um, in and of itself. It's sitting down and looking your kid in the eyes and saying, hey, I really care about you and I'm listening to you. Go ahead and tell me what you're really thinking and feeling. And, you know, we get so caught up in, um, you know, okay, I get home from work and I've got to get some dinner ready. And then Johnny has soccer practice, excuse me, football practice. Um, and then <laughs> and Mary has her, her piano lesson. And then Tommy has um, a debate club. And then my husband's coming home and, and I've got to run off to my my a community chest meeting or church meeting or whatever it might be. And so there's this constant rat race that's going on and we don't take the time to sit down with one child at a time for even 10 minutes a day and say, hey, what do you want to do for 10 minutes? And once you start, you know, whether it's cooking, cookie, baking cookies together or if it's playing a game of Uno or if it's just um, letting the kid choose a video game that you're going to sit and play together for 10 minutes – that time that you bond with your child is what builds the relationship. And if you can take 10 minutes a day with each of your children, if at all possible, I know it's harder with larger families, especially with uh, single, single parent families, but maybe every other day or something like that, um, that time will absolutely pay dividends down the road when your child is having to make decisions about who's he going to follow is he going to follow his friend or is he going to follow you? Is he going to decide that he's going to do drugs or he's going to walk away from it? You know, so these are the time that you build in to, to create that relationship is what makes all the difference for, for him and for you down the road. I think that's so powerful because 10 minutes a day is nothing. When we think about it, I want to kind of get over that idea of, well, there's always tomorrow. I can do this tomorrow. I <laughs> right. It. I mean, wow, that is... We all procrastinate in whatever. I, I'm a sucker. I hate DIY. Like if there's any reason for me not to get a hammer out and hit something into a wall or do something in the garden, I'll do it tomorrow because I can. But I think people tend to do that with the family and with the kids as well. Well, of course, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the next practice. We'll get to the next concert, which I find is a ridiculous notion. We can all right. surely place some priority on that kind of thing. Right, right. Absolutely. We do need to to prioritize our relationships. I mean, one of my sayings is relationships are everything in life. Everything else is just, you know, filling in, filling in the blanks. And um, so our kids, we chose kids. We chose to have them. So we have to put the time aside to, to help build those relationships. 
And you know, if you, and this is a quite a crass way of putting this, but if you if you spin it around on its head a little bit, if you think about if you are maybe sat there right now, listeners sat there thinking, well, all right, this is fantastic, and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna really implement this. But then tomorrow it's, well, I'm a little busy. I'm a little busy. I've got to get to this client. I've got to get to this client. I've got to get to this client. You would never dream of treating the client on a procrastinating basis and saying, well, I'll get to you tomorrow. I'll get to you the day after. I'll put you off. I'll put you off. But you're doing that to the kids, to the people that rely on you the most, to the people that you should be spending that time with. But it would, this is what really, really baffles me about the kind of small business people that we all see and we all are at some point. We don't treat our clients that way, yet we treat our family and our kids that way. Yeah, it's so easy to do, isn't it? It's unbelievably <laughs> easy. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, the long, long hours and, you know, everything else that goes with that. And, you know, we can't, and this is, I guess this is, this is sort of devil's advocate a little bit, but can we really be the people that we should be around them as well if all we're thinking about is work, work, work? Do we have to make that distinction between this is family time, regardless of what happens, unless something seriously urgent happens. This is family time, no matter what. Yeah. And you're absolutely right, Mark. And and one of the things that I, um, as a family coach, one of the things that I encourage uh, my clients to do is to um, create uh, a, a ritual of having a family meeting on a regular basis, ideally once a week, you know, only 20 to 30 minutes or whatever time works out for you, but at least twice a month. And what you do in this is um, one of the things at any rate early on as you're just starting this is to identify what your family values are. And I have a process for how you go through this. And once you've identified three, four, five values that you that are important to you as a family, um, you post it up on the refrigerator or someplace obvious in your house. And all family decisions are made based on those values. Um, for instance, uh, let's say a family value is kindness. So um, how, do you, how do you make decisions based on that value? Um, everything that you decide to do is, has got to be consistent with that value. And it makes it so much easier in order to make family decisions and in order to decide how you're going to spend your time together is once you have identified what some of those family values are. And again, just to make the parallel with business, we would do that for our businesses anyway right. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing isn't it you know as we as we sort of start to take this apart and dig a little bit deeper mm-hmm. the effort that we put into the business that is you know rightly so we spend so much time there putting all our effort into it to make something for our families but everything that we put into our business we forget to do at home and that can be so disruptive can't it it can be so yeah. destructive yeah yeah and, and you know so how many companies have a have a uh, company mission statement. I encourage families, once you've d- identified what your values are, create a family mission statement. And um, it gives your whole family purpose. I mean, there's there are a lot of kids, well, there are a lot of adults too, but per, you know, if you're thinking about, say, teenagers who, who just kind of wander through their days and um, they don't really have a purpose. They know they have to go to school and they're just going to go to school. And so they show up. They don't really do what's, what's necessary in the work. But if, if you develop that family values and a family mission statement that helps to give them some purpose maybe it identifies what kind of uh, internship or job they want to do for the summer or after school or something like that and so you, you know as we apply this to our businesses as you very well point out create a mission statement for your family that will drive uh, the relationships that you have and the decisions that you make I think that's a really interesting thread to pull upon a bit further actually the decisions that 
your kids can potentially make based on the influences that you have on them in their mm-hmm. younger years. And if we are, you know, assuming that listeners out there are small business people, people with an interest in small business, entrepreneur types that are really, really driven, passionate and motivated, spending the time with the kids, you know, you can instill the values that you hold so dear into their kind of thought process and, you know, just give them the support that they need. And does that equip them to make better decisions for themselves as they grow up? Does it, does it influence their decision to move through college or does it influence their decision to move into business? You know, what, right. what effect can that have if you are this driven individual and you have kids that you are perhaps not spending enough time with, how can you positively affect them? That's right. I mean, the, the, the way that you, um, the way that you include your kids in developing the values in the mission statement, um, they, they buy into it that way. And it positively affects them because now what you've done is you've shown them that you have a purpose in life, that you have a way that you um, intentionally interact with other people and intentionally make decisions. And you're absolutely inculcating that into your, into your children through your model and through um, including them in, in doing that for the family. And they'll go through the rest of their lives being able to do that. And that's really important. And I guess as well that, you know, you kind of get this. I mean, I certainly feel this way that if if everything's inclusive and, you know, I'm not a family coach at all, far mm-hmm. from it. But I feel that if everything is inclusive, if everything is as transparent as it can be, and the reasons and the values are always there. And, you know, a decision is made as a family and the reasons why that decision was made is open and transparent. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that that has a much more positive effect for the longer term as well. So the usual teen rebellions that you may you may see in a very strict home may not occur quite as often because you've got this transparency and more so you've got that respect. Is that is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and actually, I mean, we could get into a long discussion of parenting styles. And I, I think you're right that the strict parenting style where it's my way or the highway, um, it just, there's so much research now that that is just not the way it works well. Um, kids grow up not, if you take away their choices and you just tell them what they're supposed to do, number one, what you're doing is you're creating kids who don't know how to to make choices. And so when they're presented with that opportunity, they make poor choices. And um, secondly, you're creating automatons. And I don't think any parent wants to, to, to raise a child. I mean, no parent is, when they're asked, would want to say, yes, I want my child to grow up to be an obedient adult. I mean, we probably don't want them to. We want them to grow up to be creative and innovative and able to express themselves. And so that style of drill parent, uh, drill sergeant parenting is not conducive to raising adults who are creative and innovative and make smart choices. Um, so, and then, you know, then there are the other styles of parenting too, which are too permissive and a few other things like that. But um, the idea is by including your children in making the choices for how the family is run, you're giving them increasingly more independence. Because honestly, we're not raising kids, even though we think we are. <laughs> we're raising adults um, who just happen to be kids along the way. So uh, I think that's an important thing to remember. That's a really interesting perspective. Really interesting perspective. And I, I just want to draw it back to kind of the business angle from the perspective <laughs> yep. of the business, either the business owner or the entrepreneur that has kids. And you know, the pressure 
on a business person to say yes to the client call, to say yes to the delivery date, to say yes to the longer hours and forego the kids, forego the husband or the wife or the extended family because, you know, at the end of the day, the clients pay the bills. You know, there's always something sure. that will pull on your time. <laughs> How can we start to balance that? How can we, what languages and what behaviors can we exhibit to our clients and to our customers and to our partners in business that lets them know that, look, I respect my family time and this is how I'm going to go about my business. Is there any way that we can start to get around that? Oh, sure, Mark. That's a terrific question. And I, you know, a lot of it is we need to create um, environments that are family friendly. Um, if you work for a large company or even a medium sized company, if you're the one in charge of that, you need to create family friendly, friendly environments. Um, there's, there's a great story and I wish I could remember now who the woman is, but she had her first child relatively later in her life, probably late thirties or even early forties, something like that. And she had been a big, uh, important CEO of this company. And after she had her baby, she came back and apologized to anyone who had ever, any woman who had ever worked for her because she said, I had no idea that I was creating an environment that was so difficult for you to work in. She said, I called 4.30 meetings at the last minute all the time. I had no idea that it was going to be difficult for you to go home and take care of, care of your kids and deal with babysitters and stuff like that. So even women don't always know how to do it. Um, so I guess that's the first message is if you're in charge of an organization, regardless of the size, um, work to create a family-friendly environment. And then I guess the other aspect of it is if you are working for people or when, when you go into work, um, create a, a mission statement or a set of values that you know is family-friendly and talk about how important it is to be with your kids. Um, allow people, maybe, maybe even have an opportunity for uh, you know, a bulletin board where people can post pictures of their kids or doing things with their kids. That would be even better, doing things with their kids. Um, you know, just all, all kinds of little things that you can do and words that you can use that will let people know that, um, you know, my family comes first. I'm totally committed to, to helping the company be successful. And, um, and I will do what it takes, except that I will not miss out on, you know, what, it, what are the important milestones for my children. Um, and, and let's face it, I mean, we all know that sometimes there are short-term deadlines where we just have to work ridiculous hours for two, three weeks or maybe a month. But beyond that, first of all, you get burned out. And secondly, um, you sacrifice the relationships that are so important for you to be a full, full and contributing person. So, I love the idea of creating the kid-friendly culture. And I say kid-friendly in the context of employees or your staff members being able to come in and talk about that and actually feel as if they can involve everyone. And, right. you know, not, I, I'm a big fan of also not employees and small business owners, not making people feel as if they're doing something wrong. If they have mm. to have some time with the family or with the kids, you know, as an example, we've got a few guys that just love having breakfast with their kids. So just that's fine. Come in at 10 o'clock, come in at 10 30, right. whatever you need to do to spend that time with the kids, because it's, it makes them better people. Anyway, they're happier, they're more productive. They're willing to, to, to frankly bust a gut for you if you need them to, because. Oh, they, absolutely. You know? I've, I've actually been in charge of small staffs myself. I, I was a school library teacher for many years and I had, um, there were a couple places I had one person working for me, someplace else I had four people working for me. And I made the decision that I was going to be a 
total, I mean, as much as possible, a hands-off manager. I mean, we would have meetings and we'd, we would make decisions. They were, I never made a unilateral decision. I always included other people's input, but then eventually it was, you know, okay, I've listened to what everybody has to say, and this is the way we're going to go. And if it doesn't work, we'll come back and revisit it. Um, but then the other thing was, I just, as far as I was concerned, people could come and go whenever they needed to do it, as long as they got their work done. And I never had a problem. Never. I completely I agree with that. I didn't have a big staff. I, 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 I admit that I had a small staff, but I never had a problem because I trusted people and they came through for me. Uh, I think that is, um, that is exactly the way that I like to run my business as well, because you can't, is you, well, it's back to the utilitarian side. It's back to this drill sergeant style of parenting. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't adopt that approach as an employer either. You have to give people the flexibility. I remember when I, I used to do some contract work and I did some MOD work, Ministry of Defence work over in, here in the UK. And uh, the, the, I turned up and there was a major who was on my first day and he basically said to me, listen, I don't care when you arrive or when you go, as long as at the end of the project it's done and it's done really damn well. <laughs> so, well, That's great. <laughs> fair enough. Cheers. His name was Dave, you know, cheers, Dave. I can't say any fairer than that. And do you know what? I wanted to do a better job. I would hedge a bet that I worked longer hours, but I worked those hours on my terms. Yeah. And, you know, I still talk to him to this day. That's 10 years ago. And uh, in fact, I had a call this morning from him, which is really random. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it just, it, it, that's always stuck with me as a, as a real way of doing it. I mean, that was the, that was the army and they had that mindset. So if you've got that mindset with your employees, if you can say, well, look, if you need to be with your kids, if you've got to get off to choir practice, if you've got to do X, Y, and Z, just do it. But when I need you, I'll call. And, you know, if I need some extra time, if we've got a big client deadline, then you know that those staff members will actually pull together and help you out on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that, you know, it's that parenting style that is applicable. It's, it's, it's people are people. It doesn't matter if they're your kids or they're your employers or they're your employees. I mean, people are people. And if we treat them well and give them respect and responsibility, most of the time they follow through. Occasionally they won't and you deal with those individually, but most of the time they follow through. Yeah, we are just all people. That's the, the thing that I always say to to anyone that's having a rough time with something, you know, we are all just people. And, and when people are trying to access people that they perceive to be out of their reach as well, I always say the same thing. We're all just people. We are. We, and I think that is one of the most important things that you can use as a barometer. You know, we are all <laughs> together in this. I think it's that's brilliant. Right. I think it's that's amazing. Right. So Debbie, let's jump in to some actionable tips. I'm conscious that the listeners out there f from a small business perspective, you know, perhaps spend too much time working or perhaps struggling with this kind of, although we, we don't like the word, the work-life balance, if you like. So I'd like to just look at three actionable tips that the listeners out there can take that will help them spend more time with their family, become more effective parents, and just generally become happier in their family life. So yes. if we may, let's dig into actionable tip number one, please. Number one is being, and this is, again, this is the people are people thing, being able to manage your own emotions first. And, um, you know, lots of times kids will get really upset or let's face it, a coworker will get really upset rather than getting upset right back. I have what I've called the A to E method of calm parenting, uh, but it's also the A to E method of being a calm person. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's go through it. A is to be aware, first of all, 
be aware of what your body is doing. Is Am I clenching up? Um, is my breathing getting faster? And how, be aware of how I am feeling. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling scared, whatever that might be. And then also be aware of how the other person might be feeling. Are they feeling stressed or angry or whatever it might be? So once you're aware, you can then begin to uh, reflect and try to figure out what's going to happen next. So that leads us to B, which is breathe. And this is mindfulness has become a huge topic in um, the media and with good reason. It's because we do live a very stressful life. And if we learn to breathe slowly and deeply, we can literally change our brains and change our bodies. So if everybody will take in, and I'm not going to go through all the steps, but for instance, if you take three to five slow, deep breaths, breathing in through your nose, hold for just a moment, and then breathe slowly out through your mouth. If you do that three to five times, you will find that you calm yourself down. You're literally changing your brain, and that is sending, um, instead of the stress hormones of cortisol and adrenaline, you're sending oxytocin out to your body by, cha- by changing the way you're breathing. And once you are calm, then you can try to connect with your child or with your upset coworker or the person in the store or whomever it might be. And I say, kind of go to your Zen place. <laughs> if your kid's in your face, go to your Zen place. And that just is a, a, a catchphrase to remind you to just stay very calm, don't get emotional, and let the other person be emotional. But the thing is, if they're being emotional, they can't. If you don't mirror back that high emotion, they can't stay in that high emotion. They can't stay there. They'll look at you and they'll say, why aren't you upset? Or they'll walk away and slam a door, but they can't stay in your presence and remain at a high emotional state. So it's up to you to stay calm. So A is aware, B is breathe, C is to stay calm and try to connect if possible. And then when everybody is calmer, D is you discuss, try to figure out what was the trigger. And what, the, what you say is, I notice that when X, then you get upset. What's up with that? And that's the exact script. I notice that when X happens, then you get upset. What's up with that? And you will be amazed at the replies that you get. It's usually something that you had never thought of. <laughs> <laughs> and then E is to speak with empathy. And simply, without any judgment, you simply say, yes, that sounds like it must be frustrating for you. Or, I understand that that might make someone upset. Something that's empathetic to let them know that they've been heard because everybody wants to be heard. So that's my A to E technique for remaining calm in a stressful situation. Wow. We're going to have to get that in the show notes, guys, because that is a template for a, that's a template for a better life. Never mind anything yes. else. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll send that to you quickly. It'll be easy to use. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much. And let's move on to actionable tip number two, please, Debbie. Sure. So another one is to reestablish a relationship with your child based on a really good connection. And I've got a whole bunch of ideas for connecting. I'll just give you a couple here. One is they aren't usually interested in your advice or your judgment. Um, this is especially for teenagers, but you know you can use it with younger children as well. They don't want advice. <laughs> they just want you to listen and they want you to be empathetic. So we go back to that E again. Wow, that must be really hard for you. 
that must be really frustrating. You must have felt bad when she said that to you. That kind of empathetic, active listening is really mostly what they want. And if you just keep mirroring back to them what they've just said, they'll keep taking it someplace and you'll get to the bottom of what the real issue is. Um, and then another one is instead of focusing on outcomes, you know, if you're trying to have a great connection with your kid, focus instead on process. For instance, say, that sounds like it was really hard. Was it a good test? Or um, when, you were, when you were having trouble with that test, where did you get stuck? So we're focusing on the process. We're not focusing on the outcome. Or, for instance, you can, in a positive sense, you can say, I loved how you really hustled on the field. So you're not making your connection or your love for this child or this other person contingent upon achievement. Wow, you scored three goals. Because what happens when they don't score three goals? Will you still love them? Will you still care? Instead, focus on the, on the process. I love how you hustled. I love how hard you worked at that. You must have been really focused. And um, also, when we, when we want to encourage kids to develop problem-solving skills, if they're asking, you know, if they're explaining an issue that they're having, say, well, what have you already tried? Or when have you faced a similar problem and you solved it? What did you do then? So help them brainstorm solutions. So those are all some really good um, tips and uh, tips of advice for connecting with your kids, which you can also apply to connecting with other people too. That's really interesting. I, I'm, I'm just thinking about the, the people in business with the, uh, I mean, the old cliched kind of dad coming in. Did you know that <laughs> the image that I've got in my head right now, we've all seen the film Elf. What an amazing film. Okay. The, 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 the guy, James Kahn, that is the high powered book exec in that he comes back and he just barks the orders on a night and he sees his kid for like 10 minutes and his kids yeah. resentful. And that really brought to mind that image because the kid is focused on achievement. And I can see how if you are a driven business person, having to focus on achievements in business mm -hmm. and you come back and apply that same kind of logic, you do you're right. What happens when the kid doesn't score three goals? I, mm -hmm. That is, I don't know. That's really struck a chord with me that I think that's really yeah, important. Yeah. Focus on the process and the effort. And that, I can't take credit for this. I mean, this comes from the work of Carol Dweck, who wrote the book Mindset. Um, and it, it is all about a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And the idea is to really focus on the process and not on what the ultimate achievement is. That's super. We'll get that in the show notes as well, guys. That's fantastic. And let's dig in, Debbie, to the third and final action. Sure. Tip. The last one I have is that you are the... Con so this is based... These three tips are based on, on my three Cs. The first one is to, con to control your emotions. The second is to connect with your kids. And the third is to be the conductor in your family. And, you know, that goes back to my music background again. Mm -hmm. You're like an orchestra conductor. Um, and what you want to do is, is be um, kind of a servant leader... And that's somebody who puts the needs of others first while also helping them develop and perform as highly as they possibly can. And so one of the, there are a couple of different things you can do. One is to coach your kids so that you give them the problem-solving skills that we were just talking about. You uplift them and affirm them without um, judgment again. You teach them um, emotional intelligence by explaining to them how you're feeling and then helping them to identify how they're feeling. And then you also guide them in identifying their family values, which is what we were talking about earlier in the show as well. So those are my three C's. Con control your own emotions, connect with your kids, and conduct your family. Conduct them um, as if you were the leader of the orchestra. 
That's fantastic. And I think this episode will resonate with so many people in business. You know, we, we all work so long, we all work so hard and we're all so focused on results. I think everyone can take a step back and just say, well, listen, could I do things any differently? And I'm sure at some point, everyone can do something a little better. So Debbie, thank you so much. That's been such a fantastic episode. And I'm sure the listeners will absolutely love it. And just before we wrap up, where can people connect with you online? I know, for example, that you have a fantastic podcast out there. Tell people about that before we sign off. Sure, sure. I'm thrilled to be able to tell people I'm a co-host as the as the family coach um, with two other women. Wendy Williams is the marriage educator and Linda Ty is the health coach. And our show is called The Mighty Married Moms Show. And um, we, the three of us, are The Mighty Married Moms. And we have interviewed incredible guests on all topics that, you know, typical moms, whether or not you're married or even men and women, actually, we've got a bunch of male listeners who are loving our show um, that uh, are interesting topics, Um, how to raise kids, how to eat eat healthily, um, what you learn from going to the chiropractor. Um, uh, We had one guest who wrote a a book about uh, surviving female friendships. Um, We've got some great relationship experts on there. Um, all kinds of terrific uh, guests. And then what we do is, uh, so those go, those air on Mondays. And then on Thursdays, the, we air a uh, shorter show of just the three of us sitting around the kitchen table, having a conversation about what we just learned and um, pulling out the takeaways from our guests and stuff like that. So that's a blast. And I hope that your listeners will check out the Mighty Married Moms show. And that's at MightyMarriedMoms.com. And then my own website as a family coach is at YouCanRaiseGreatKids.com. And I've got some videos there, some blog posts. I've got kind of a, another podcast, which is called You Can Raise Great Kids, which is just short, actionable tips coming out a little bit sporadically, but they're definitely coming out. And um, I'm available to coach p- individuals. I'm also lo- working to create some groups. And I would be happy to uh, talk to anybody who would love to get a little uh, input on on their own family relationships or even their own personal life journey. So this has been great to talk with you, Mark. Thank you so much. Debbie, thank you so, so much. That's been a real pleasure, really has. And guys, don't forget all the show notes and everything that myself and Debbie have referenced during this episode will be available in the show notes for Debbie's episode at excellence-expected.com. And as ever, Whilst you're over there, you can pick up your free copy of the essential 14-day guide to cutting your working hours and increasing your impact, which I'm sure will help you spend more time with the family. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Listen, guys, we're going to put a pin in it right there. Until next time, don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Bye-bye.